0: You may be seated. Please do turn in Scripture to Luke chapter 8. We're going to look Luke 8, beginning in verse 4. And I think in the Pew Bible, that's page 865. 865. As you turn in the air, uh, this, this week I was reading a story uh, recently about uh, Tracking backwards to I think it was around 2008, uh, 18, excuse me, 2018 or 19. It's where the uh, the amount of hours that people spend on mobile devices uh, exceeds the amount of hours that they spend watching television. Okay, that's 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 kind of I guess that time that time on a a mobile device on an average day is somewhere north of three uh, or four hours. Uh, You know how it is though when you click on an article like this. I mean, it's a little bit depressing, obviously, but then there's all these other depressing titles that are all related. You know how this is, right? You see another story that has the same or similar tag, and then you, there's another story and another story. It's just like, man, if you're hungry for bad news, I mean, it is just, it is just spewing out at you all over the place. Let me just give you a couple examples. Here are, here are the stories below it. Yep. Uh, no excuses. Americans have ample free time to exercise, but choose screen time instead. The other, the other title here's one: Screen zombies. Average person will spend 44 years looking at digital devices, and that's before COVID. Americans, here's another here's another uh, article or you know tag story. Americans now log more screen time than they do sleep on an average day. Wow. You know, I, I get it. You know, some people spend a lot of time in front of a screen or a laptop because of their job. I, I, many of us can relate to that. And, and before you go into, you know, a whole realm of self-loathing or self-righteousness, or you're tempted to you know, pull out your phone and uh, look at it right now, uh, you know, I, I'm not, that's, that's not where I'm going. I don't know what your habits are, and I don't want you to go there, whether it's self-loathing or self-righteous. Let me be clear. This is not a sermon about the evils of screen time. I just want to highlight the fact that when we do, when we do sometimes stare at a screen, if we're scrolling or we're just watching, binge watching episodes of something, it is rather passive, largely speaking. I mean, it's a it's a passive activity. It's it's one of the reasons it's rather appealing, understandably. And I, I guess what I'm highlighting this morning is, given our time and our context and our culture. And normal lives, right? What does that mean except this? That the hardest thing that you are going to do on any given week is come and sit and listen to a sermon. Now, some of that's on me. okay? (laughs) some of that's my fault. But what I'm saying is that when we come here to listen and read and study and understand God's word, it is not a passive activity. If it's done right. If we've prepared, if we if we're if we're if we're filled with God's Spirit, we're leaning in, we are submitting to, we are yielding, we're turning over to the voice of God. This morning, Jesus will read in our passage, says, He who has ears, let him hear. You could say that's an open invitation, but I don't think he's just talking about anatomy physiology. This is not an auditory skill. My question this morning is, are you listening to the voice of your Savior? Again, I'm not talking auditory, but to truly listen from an open heart. You know, even amidst the distractions of our cultural context, even amidst the demands of your schedule or the distractions of any given day and life in this fallen, broken world, you can still hear the voice. Or can you? Can you still hear the voice Of King Jesus hearing and truly listening to God's word is in one very strong sense, as you'll see mentioned here, the father of lies, the devil to enter into and listen to God's voice and his word is to engage in spiritual warfare. Nothing short of this. So let's go to battle and invite you to stand one more time in honor of God's word as we read Luke's gospel. Beginning in verse four of chapter eight. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path that was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture and some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up around it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things as he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse nine, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said to you, it has been given to known the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others that are they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones who are on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, Fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, those are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for the one that has good soil, these are the ones who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter might see the light. For nothing is hidden that may not be manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Take care then how you hear for the one who has more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. And then his mother and his brothers came to him. But they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is God's word. You may be seated. Why do you ask for his help? God, we do a desire, we need to hear from you. Some of us this morning might be unconvinced in our unbelief. Some might be here unsettled, unclear. And and I don't need to confuse them, and I don't I don't want to. So I I pray that right now you would be in my speaking, and in our hearing. And I do pray against uh, the father of lies. We ask uh, your blessing now in Jesus' good name, Amen. Uh, for me, and I don't know if you would relate to this, but the stories, uh, the accounts of those who have survived the multi stages of grief. Uh, after the loss of a spouse or a child uh, are people that I, I, I just have a sensitivity, I have a desire, I have an inclination to listen to their struggle, to their story, to what has, what is, what has their experience been like. I was reminded uh, this week uh, of a friend from many years ago, uh, back when I was uh, in grad school in seminary, and his name is Anton, a sweet, very kind man, and his wife... Uh, was a friend of mine as well. Jasmine, she was there uh, as well. And he was—he uh, went on to become a youth pastor. And while he was in his 30s, uh, they had a young son. And one afternoon, Anton is out playing uh, basketball, presumably with some friends and some students. And lo and behold, uh, with no explanation whatsoever, he collapsed on the basketball court and died. And Jasmine, his wife, uh, left a note, uh, posted a note reflecting. On the anniversary of his death a number of years ago. And this is what she writes. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to lean in on these things, right? As I remember the life and reflect on that time, the word she says, faithful, comes to mind. I enjoyed 13 years of life and relationship with Anton when I experienced his faithfulness to me. Toby, his family, his friends, his youth group, his passions, and his heavenly father. I also remember... How God has been faithful to Anton and I individually in our marriage, in our ministry, in parenting, and even in grieving Anton's death. And then she quotes Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. There's there's so much there. There's trust, there's there's faith. There's much to be highlighted. But I'll just say this: at the end of the day, this is a woman who is listening to the truthful and the tender voice of her Savior, the God man, the King Jesus. Clearly. So again, my, my question, what I'm driving at this morning for you to ask is: are you listening to the voice of Jesus? And I mean, before you answer that question, um, just consider the heart of what's going on in this passage in parable and then our heart right cuz cuz our hearts are the the seat of our being and will and identity it's 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 there deep within us our hearts now with parables i want to highlight this so often we think of it as a, if it were some kind of concrete moral lesson that parables are something that, you know, the simple man can engage with and, and, and move on with understanding. But that's not the way that Jesus uses parables so often. Clearly not here. Parables are, visit, are vivid accounts that point us to the one who teaches them. It points us to the king and the kingdom. And so often there's actually two stories going on with the parable. That are that are kind of existing in parallel. That's certainly the case here because what you have is this this one obvious story of of, of a farmer. Right, the farmer goes out. Uh, presumably, it's uh, maybe a maybe a barley seed that he would uh, spread. He goes out. And and naturally, the case he's he's spreading it uh, generously uh, was the custom in that day that they would go and they would later till in and, you know, and to, to work the seed into the soil. But he's going out there. And then at the edge of the field, there's the main part of the field. And that's, you know, the 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 variety of soil that may come there. But then the outside is a beaten down path that people would navigate and work around the field. And understandably, that's very hard. So you get this picture of where the seed falls in in multiple places. Now, uh, the, that's all average, right? That's just like, okay, that's a story in the life of somebody. The, the only thing that's unique about the story at that point is this. That he goes on to highlight the fact that the, that, uh, the return... The, normally, the seed would return you know, one seed to, to 10 to 20. But this seed actually is hundredfold. So they would have anyone in that agrarian society would have been like, whoa. But then he just abruptly stops in verse 8. He says... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Boom, it's over. The crowds dissipate. They're not left to understand. The disciples who remain look to Jesus, you know, and they say, what was that about? What is that? What does that point to? And that's where the parallel comes in. The deeper meaning, the parallel story that comes along that's really about the king and the kingdom. It comes to light for the disciples beginning in verse nine. What's the seed? The seed is the word. The word of God, the message of the kingdom, of the good news, it's, its even to this very day, it's being spread. First Peter tells us that it is the imperishable seed of our faith. What's the soil? The soil here are those who uh, have ears. Everybody has that. But, but then furthermore, subsequently, simultaneously, it's the hearts of men and women. The, the fruit here is, well, it's, it's lives. The harvest is what's transformed the lives of those who, by grace, reflect the, the glory of their creator and redeemer, Jesus. Why and how? I mean, obviously, it appears that there are some people that encounter, receive the word. They may be even identify as disciples or followers of Christ. But that's only for a time or a season. And we've all experienced this, right? We've witnessed people that we thought... That that was sincere and real and and, and lasting and then no no longer they are. And and maybe in the in between as they as, as, as you know, the noise and the and the struggle in their lives continue on, there's incongruities and there's problems. And you've probably even met people that said that's the kind of person that makes me not want to be a Christian. As if to say it's such a scandalous thing that there's actually hypocrites in the world. Don't you see that this parable, even Jesus himself, overcomes that argument? Because he doesn't say, he doesn't speak as if he's surprised about it. He predicted it. Does that make sense? This is not, this, this doesn't take Jesus by surprise. He is predicting it. Anticipating. Well, let's just look at these two headings that I have. Listed there in the order of service this there's the four soils and here's how i'm going to divide it down there's uh there is the soil excuse me there's the seed rejecting soil and i'm going to ask the question what is their enemy and then also there's the seed receiving soil and then i want to ask who is their garden so let's just briefly look at these first three as you would call them maybe seed rejecting soils that is that are highlighted the first one I would categorize and I'm just going to go ahead and move over to calling it heart instead of soil. But the first one is the hard hearted soil. Verse five is where Jesus brings it up. Then he explains it in verse 12. The word truly comes to, in contact with them, but the path is all beaten down. And so it's it's plucked away. And it's it's like they like they enjoy. This is the heart and the soil of a person who enjoys hearing uh, the latest, greatest Fad or, or or philosophy or take as if it's news, but as I was reminded in one commentator, you know, today's newspaper is tomorrow's fish wrapping, right? I mean, it's some people just move in and out of any number of ideologies and theories and practices and uh, and and uh, and headlines and and that kind of thing. What's and who is the enemy? The enemy here is the devil, the deceit. He goes and he plucks this away we're told in verse 12 let's move on the shallow heart that's the other soil here verse 6 it's it's explained in verse 13 if you can imagine here it's it's like a limestone where there's you know a shallow place of, of dirt and the dew comes in and a seed can come in contact and the heat of the day can warm it up and it'll it'll pop but but then also in the course of that heat it also just, Because it's so shallow, it just dries up. And so it can't last. And it goes back and forth like this, but it doesn't have any root. Uh, Deep down, this person, Jesus says, receives the Bible, uh, the message of the kingdom, maybe even with emotion or or joy. Initially, they're impressed with what the Bible offers. Wow, this is a friend. This is a, uh, a guide towards wisdom. I like hearing about this love. But later they are swept away by another thing that's more impressive. They fall away when they encounter really the gravity so often of what Jesus calls us to, you know, in suffering or when we face persecution. So that's that's the enemy. The enemy for the shallow hearted soil is the persecution of the world. These are people who are living in the present and for the present. And the the call of Jesus that you're either for me or against me is is difficult. It's too difficult. I know I'm moving fast here, but moving on to the third uh, rejecting soil is the divided heart. Verse seven, Jesus mentions this and explains that type of heart in verse 14. This is the. The thorny soil where the thorns that that choke out the seed. Uh, These are the people who walk with Christ. They profess him to be savior. They may even remain. They may remain in the church for a time or maybe they remain in the church for all their lives. But the word is not truly fruitful. They have changed, but it's really at the level of behavior. It's modified. It's not a. Heart transformation, they're they're counterfeits. And 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 they don't even realize that they are counterfeits. Sin has deceived them. The enemy in this instance, as Jesus would highlight, is the desires of the flesh. And then and when you face That perhaps two extremes of persecution and prosperity. These are the people who are either depressed down so much with worries that they think Jesus can't take care of it. Or they are so excessively impressed up with prosperity that they don't think, think they can navigate life without Jesus. Does that make sense? That's where I'm saying. it's either the pressure of persecution and, and, and disappointments and trials and, and worries and such or it's it's I'm okay. I'm self-sufficient. All of these three soils lack root a, a, an appreciation a, a root that goes down into the heart in appreciation and devotion to Jesus. They may say things like I need a helper, But they're not saying I'm a sinner in need of a savior. The enemies are common for these three soils common to us and all of us, every one to a person. And the threefold enemies are what? Thank you. I say this and I I, I want you to have it ingrained so, so, uh, you know, so much in your thinking. It's the flesh, the world and the devil. Isn't it just Jesus' fault that he can't be more impressive? Verse 8. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Can you hear that music? Can you hear that tune? Can you hear the, the gospel good news message that a king came to a bunch of people who were by nature haters? of God. Selfish, we are guilty and Jesus comes and declares a sweet song of freedom and release and come Jesus says, have your sins forgiven. It is paid for with my life and my death. Will you transfer your trust to me, you, you here today? Well, let's talk about this other soil, this last soil, this seed receiving soil. This is the one where the seed goes deep, deep into the heart. A, a true disciple with true lasting, not perfect, but but persevering faith. That's where the genuine root can lay hold and, and, and transformation, incredible transformation can genuinely take place. It's fruitful. And there's something that happens even relationally in that. And what I, what I mean by that, and I think it's. Part of why Luke records it as such in verse 19. Look with me there. This is what transpires. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brother are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. It's a little bit curious, isn't it, that his mother and his brothers aren't sitting at his feet eager to hear. They're outside. They're not to be found. Of course, there are seasons of their life that they think that Jesus is out of his mind. And I think he is, too, when he says, Troy, forgive your enemies multiple times over. (laughs) Maybe for you, it's something else. But the beauty lies in this, that Jesus has this warm, a warm enough affection that he is exalting his disciples. He's, he's not trying to belittle the nature of a biological family. But at the end of the day, the sweet, sound, lasting, substantial relationship is is not biological. It is spiritual. To know God as our father and Jesus as our brother. Friends. Jesus is pointing to the fact that we can and will be adopted into the family of God in the favor of our heavenly father. How do you know when you're listening, though, with a whole heart, with a a, 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 a soil that is good? and, And what does he say in the text here? True, honest. Verse 15. Well, it's verse 21. He who... That's that's the one. It's the one who's doing the will of God. Am I hearing or am I listening? I mean, our lives will indicate that it will be very clear over time. We don't. And I want to be clear, though, nevertheless, when we talk about hearing and doing and, and how that manifests and trusting him, that we do not enter the family of God because of our obedience, but we nevertheless identify ourselves as brothers and sisters of Christ because of our posture and trust and obedience. Okay, you might say, "What do I need to do to make uh, the soil ripe for me, and maybe for others that I so desire and wish would receive the word?" Well, it's this: it's to seek the gardener, <laughs> to, to seek the gracious gardener, and what he can do, and when he when he does it, it's so powerful and fruitful. By the way, this is not a parable, even though we look back over our experience or even people that we know presently and we scratch our heads saying, where are they in the kingdom? What soil are they? This is not a story about the variety of ways that people reject the word of God. This is not a story or a parable that's supposed to help us, you know, just, you know, statistically distill down how three out of four people reject Jesus. It's actually... Highlighting how just a simple seed has such overwhelming power that it produces a hundredfold. That, that doesn't happen in, with any normal seed as the, the hearers of this would have made sense of. We all see it. I mean, it doesn't it shouldn't surprise us. Why a seed? I mean, it's slow, it's, it's gradual, it's weak, it's, it's vulnerable. That's why some people reject Jesus and Christianity. It just it doesn't seem as, as potent. I mean, isn't, isn't it more incumbent upon Jesus to be like overwhelming? Like, just why a seed? Why not a meteor that just flies out of the sky and crashes into the earth? That'll get our attention, won't it? For a time. Shallow, you know. It's a splash. It's loud. It's it's there. But but Jesus has a unique way, right? It's it's more pervasive. It's it doesn't bring any sudden change. So often it's it's very unique. It's not external. It's it's internal. But we well we've all seen this, right? I, I remember one day I, I was asked to preach for a congregation that's kind of nestled in a, um, a residential area of Cambridge. And, and I, I took the tea and I got off and I was walking down the sidewalk and I was walking one way and I see a guy over on the other side doing some kind of street repair and he has this massive jackhammer just slamming into uh, the concrete trying to you know do some kind of repair. And I, I kid you not, 10 feet in front of me, I see the sidewalk in 30 pieces all broken open. Why? Well, let's just rewind, you know, a few years. When an acorn got planted, a tree was birthed, and the root of that tree is blowing stuff up far more than that guy can over there with the jackhammer. I kind of chuckled. Boy, I held on that for a long time to use as a sermon illustration. Hey, (laughs) Jesus brings hope, my friends, his word, the gospel message. The word of God is powerful. It's creative. It's the word that spoke the universe into being out of nothing. It's a it's a creative. It's a recreative word pointing to him who is the word. It's power for the broken For the addict, to the person who's feeling trapped in self-pity and bitterness. For the insecure who is grasping. For the overachiever perfectionist who cannot slow down. Some of you need to rest. It's for anyone. So here's my application just to... By way of just practically, how do you hear and receive the word or the voice of Jesus? The first thing I would say is, yes, slow down. You can't run and listen at the same time. This is that's like parenting 101, right? (laughs) I need you to sit down. Uh, My kids, they, they, they there's there's things you can't do at the same time. Okay, multitasking doesn't work. I'm still trying. okay? I mean, I'm still guilty trying. But my kids, we whenever we're driving and we enter a tunnel early on, it was even the big dig. You know, we would drive into the the tunnel. My kids would have a contest to see who could hold their breath. And uh, and near the end of the tunnel, a couple of them would start talking like I'm making it. I'm making it like, no, you're not, because you can't talk and hold your breath at the same time. You can't be running in rebellion or or in self-righteousness trying to morally strive and hear the word of God. You need to sit and listen before you stand and walk in the will of Jesus. The second thing I would say to to practically hear and receive God's word, to be careful about that, is to make room for the seed. Ask the gardener to clear out the rocks. You can't do it yourself. The thorns that are crowding out the gospel. Remember, you can't change it, but you and I both can repent and ask him to remove it. Lord, here's a prayer. Give me strength to battle against the flesh, the world and the devil. They can bat against the fruitful soil as well. Right. I mean, just take, for instance, the cares of the world. Jesus alludes to it here as an encumbrance, because the things you worry about, the things I worry about, are so often the things that we worship. And they're the things that want to control us. So what would that look like? Yes, we know what the very basic nature of the word is. God says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its, its own. Okay, I read that. Okay, i got to get busy again. No, 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 no. no. Make room. Slow down. To really ponder, to press in, is to listen to the Savior's voice who says, I know what you need. I made you. I sustain you. I own you. I care more about your future and your interests than even you do. I give you your very breath. Trust me. Third thing I would say is repent. Turn from sin and seek God's forgiveness in Christ. You know what it's like, right? You come out of a loud concert. Back when they had those things. You come out of a loud concert. And what do you have in your ears? The music? Nope. You, you, have, you have a ringing in your ears. You can't hear all that well. So what am I saying? I guess what I'm saying is take off the headphones, turn off the TV, put down the phone, quit scrolling for entertainment and distraction. And I'm not talking about devices. I'm not talking right now about technology. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about the things that violate our conscience and disrupt our fellowship with God. The last thing I would say is ask quit thinking about technology, okay? If you want to hear the voice of God, it might mean putting down your phone. But what I'm saying is this, setting aside Setting aside sin and then asking for the Holy Spirit, God's good deposit and gift, our counselor, because you can't just empty yourself. It's not just it's not enough just to clear out your schedule, to put down your phone and walk out into the woods with your scripture. You can temporarily change your behavior, but only God's spirit can transform your heart and mind. Holy Spirit, please work. It would sound like this. In my shallow, fickle, sometimes divided heart. Give me a willingness. I seek to be filled. Why? Because it brings clarity. He brings illumination to this word. The Holy Spirit. We know he's doing his job. Not when we're overwhelmed with emotion or some feeling, but when we're caught beholding Jesus. That's his job, is to make Jesus look good, to exalt God the Son. Let's cry out to God the Father. Father, we do look to you for counsel and guide. Would you control us and compel us, fill us with your spirit, every single person here. Those who may be online. Lord, will you pray right now that you would protect us um, from self-deceit from self-centeredness lord i pray you would protect us from fear there's been a lot of people worshiping that this past year we pray against the enemies of the flesh the world and the devil i do pray god that you would meet people uniquely that are facing struggles some of which they wish weren't there at all in their work and their relationship and and stress and the Lord we know people in our own church family those who are very dear to us who are struggling with chronic illness and pain with grief Lord would you meet with these people and we know that there are people in parts of the world that are uniquely right now battling the impact of this terrible pandemic and we pray today for the people of India and you would shower mercy upon them We pray again for our brothers and sisters who are proving to be that good and fruitful, honest soil in places where persecution rides very high. and There's opposition from family and employers and from the government. Lord, we thank you for where we live, but we remember those who live in places where it's very hard to worship in public, to live as a follower of Christ. And perseverance. Lord, help us to have an open and willing heart to receive, even this week, in the, in the midst of the distractions, to receive and to apply your word. Even now, give us eyes and ears and a heart spiritually as we come to your table. As we pray, even now, in Jesus' good name, as he taught his disciples to pray, saying to